So Felix is going to be looking at verses 1 to 24, I believe, but I'm just going to read verses 1 to 6. Jesus at a Pharisee's house. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There, in front of him, was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts of law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So, taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Thank you so much, Sasha, for reading that so well. Good evening, everyone. I realize I probably haven't met all of you before, so um, if I haven't met you, my name is Felix. I'm on the clergy team here at HTC, and it is so good to be with you this evening. Before we look at this passage in more detail, let me lead us in a prayer. It says in the scriptures, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Almighty God, in a room of this size, with the amount of people there are here, there are going to be all sorts of things going on in people's lives here. But we don't want to run away from you. We don't want to hide from you. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to listen to what it is that you want us to hear. We thank you for the power of your words. And we pray that your spirit would do his work in our lives tonight so that we would be able to listen, to understand, and to respond. Amen. Now, the previous president of the United States, could be future, Donald Trump, once famously said this. He said, show me someone with no ego, and I'll show you a big loser. By which he means, if you want success, you need to big yourself up. Now, regardless of your politics, I think it'd be fair to say Donald Trump has kind of walked the talk, or maybe kind of talked the talk. When asked why people should vote for him, he replied, to be blunt, people would vote for me. They just would. Why? Maybe because I'm so good looking. <laughs> when asked about his intelligence, he replied, I'm intelligent. Some people would say I'm very, very, very intelligent. And then finally, when asked about the Bible, he replied, nobody reads the Bible more than me. Now, again, regardless of your politics, I think it would be fair to say Donald Trump is a good example of someone who thinks a lot about himself. And if he does read the Bible as much as he says he does, I would be really interested, genuinely interested, to know what he thinks of our passage tonight. We're looking this evening at Luke chapter 14. We had a bit of it read by Sasha so well just a moment ago. Jesus has just disclosed something in the chapter before which makes you kind of sit up a bit straighter in your seat. Jesus has been talking about heaven. And he's described getting into heaven as like going through a narrow door. Narrow because not everyone will go through it. 
And he's been making it very clear through the gospel so far that this is a door you want to go through. Heaven is the place to be. In fact, in chapter 13, verse 24, Jesus says this, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God, the feast. Which makes Donald Trump's original claim so perplexing. Show me someone with no ego and I'll show you a big loser. Okay, this is genuinely no comment on Donald Trump. Please don't mishear me on that, okay? But our passage today shows us that a big ego might just stop you from fitting through the narrow door. Because you see, in our passage tonight, Jesus tells us, thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. And just to be clear, this isn't about thinking kind of less or more of yourself, but about thinking less about yourself. Our passage starts, verse one, in the house of a prominent Pharisee. If you've still got your Bibles open, keep them open. Pharisees were basically kind of strict religious people. Jesus is having a meal with them, and Luke tells us Jesus is being carefully watched. He's being carefully watched, which basically means he's not amongst friends. The people at the dinner party he's at, they want to try and catch out Jesus. But of course, the irony in this passage is that Jesus is actually the one who kind of catches out everyone else. And he does this by identifying four different character types in the room. I have them represented here in, with these boards. You can tell these haven't been made by the HTC comms team. But... Um, they're on uh, these um, music stands, and you can probably see them, there you go, on the screen too. Each of these four characters in the room are variations or kind of angles of being focused on self. So there's kind of a lot of overlap between them. And remember, that's a problem because thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. So let's just go through them in turn, as Jesus does, and as we do, we might, we might spot tendencies of these character traits in our own hearts. We might. Character portrait number one. Here it is. Character portrait number one. Let me turn it around. Self-interested. He's thinking, he's focusing on the Pharisees here in the room. They are self-interested. You can imagine the scene Jesus is having his meal, he's taking a sip of wine, and then suddenly a man with kind of weird swellings over his body arrives in front of him. He has a condition called dropsy. Now, over 10 years ago, I uh, thought it'd be nice to have a kind of a, a pet fish. So I went out and I bought a fish tank and I bought a kind of sweet looking, if they can be sweet looking, goldfish. Um, I called uh, the fish blue steel, because he was always pouting, and if you watch Zoolander, you understand why. And after a couple of weeks, blue steel started getting kind of swellings all over his body. Within the fortnight, blue steel was dead. The pouting was no more. Dropsy, dropsy had killed blue steel. So back in the passage, nasty swellings, the prospect of death, that's what this man in front of Jesus is dealing with. And what's Jesus gonna do? 
What's he gonna do? Well, the Pharisees know that Jesus has the power to heal the sick. If you don't believe me, have a read through Luke's gospel. He's been doing it throughout. But the Pharisees are self-interested, remember? They don't care two hoots about this man with the swelling. They don't like Jesus, and so they set a trap. They wanna see if Jesus is gonna heal this man with the swellings. Is Jesus gonna heal him on the Sabbath? Who cares? We might think, who cares? Well, for the self-interested Pharisees, they believed healing on the Sabbath would mean breaking God's law given to Moses. In other words, they thought Jesus would then become a lawbreaker in their eyes. Jesus knows these people are self-interested. Take a look at verse five, if you've got it in front of you. It's gonna come up on the screen. Verse five, then Jesus asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? Of course, the answer is yes, we would. These Pharisees, they kind of pretended to be strictly religious, but they're willing to kind of bend the rules for themselves. The Pharisees are self-interested. Jesus, on the other hand, is self-giving. So Jesus heals the man with dropsy and sends him on his way. Character portrait, number one, self-interested. Now, I think the temptation when we encounter Pharisees in the Gospels is to sort of think of them as kind of pantomime villains. You know, we boo when they come on stage. Boo, Pharisees, boo. But the truth is, we see this type of self-interest all the time, especially in the church. It's the person who says with their lips one thing, but with their hands, their feet, their bodies do something completely different. One commentator puts it like this. He says, any number of people today will claim to be Christian while denying what Christ says they ought to be and will rest content with believing in a religion which they have neither the patience nor the courage to follow through to its conclusions. In other words, the person who says they love Jesus, the person who, you know, I don't know, sings about loving Jesus, but then willingly, unashamedly, unrepentantly disobeys Jesus. Now, please don't mishear me. Please don't mishear me on this. Everyone makes mistakes following Jesus. I do every single day. But this type of person, the self-interested person, intends to ultimately follow themselves rather than Jesus. And that's a problem. Because remember, thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. That's character portrait number one. Character portrait number two. This is the guests. The guests in this or at this dinner party. Um, They are self-serving. They're self-serving. Let's read verses 7 to 11. Okay, it's going to come up on the the screen. If you still got your Bibles, have a look down. Verses 7 to 11. When he noticed how the guests, Jesus, picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place, 
so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Euros uh, football tournament in 2016 will be remembered for all sorts of reasons. England knocked out by Iceland, shock horror. But something else happened at this tournament, something much more devious. This happened. Rebecca Vardy, that's the one on your left. Rebecca Vardy, the wife of one of England's football players, reportedly ignored her seat allocation and instead intentionally sat behind Colleen Rooney the wife of the England captain, Wayne Rooney. Rebecca took someone else's seat so that she, because she knew that Colleen would be photographed and Rebecca wanted to be in shot of the photographs. Now, that's a kind of a fairly trivial example of what Jesus sees in his guests at this dinner party. They're kind of jostling for position. You know, they want to be um, in the sort of best place possible, angling for the best spot, you know, Desperate to get into the camera shot. In verse 7, it says, The guests were picking the places of honor at the table. But self serving will not do. After telling a parable to demonstrate this, see what Jesus says in verse 11, key verse for us. Verse 11 For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In other words, bigging yourself up might mean you don't fit through the narrow door. Self-serving doesn't work in the economy of heaven. And the thing is, that's totally at odds with our culture, isn't it? According to a recent survey, 40% of Brits have lied on their CVs at some point in their career. The world tells us, impress for success. And so the office worker craves to be seen. I remember like this, you know, you crave to be seen with the right people in the office. You know, the ambitious people, the people who are going places. Our hearts, our hearts bursting with pride when we get publicly mentioned by the boss or crushed when everyone else seems to get thanked apart from us. Church leaders daydreaming of their sermons going viral. I don't know. Or maybe uh, being invited to speak at a conference, churchgoers, of which I might as well, intentionally not sitting with people we don't know or look a bit strange or we know are a bit needy, they're not going to make me look good. And here's the thing, and goodness me, I really need to hear this. Self-promotion ultimately leads to self-humiliation. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Because when it, comes through going, when it comes to going through the narrow door to heaven, our salvation, thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Portrait number three. Portrait number three. Here Jesus turns to the host. To the host. And what he sees there is another variation of being focused on self. Jesus identifies self rewarding. Let's read verses 12 and four, uh, to 14. Just a shorter one here. 12 to 14. Then Jesus said to his host, 
When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may, might invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I love board games, really like board games, especially this one, Settlers of Catan. Can I get a quick show of hands who's played this game? Okay, quite a lot, quite a lot, big fan. Um, for those who haven't, basically it's a game where you um, have to trade and do deals with other people in order to win. And I remember when I was first learning to play this game, the person who was teaching me said to me, never make a deal unless it's good for you. And so when we play the game, when I play the game, you just try and fleece everyone, right? But we all know that doesn't just happen in board games. It doesn't just happen in that game. And that's what Jesus is getting at here in our passage. The person who kind of invites someone to a party so that they can be invited back. And so it's the person who would never invite round for dinner anyone who isn't going to give them, I don't know, a good time or good conversation. That person who would never spend time with anyone who they found particularly difficult or needy. It's the person who asks always, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Now, as a leader in the church, I am painfully, painfully aware of how often I've heard people say they have felt used by past churches. I've lost count, genuinely lost count, of the number of times people have said to me that they've had someone in a church uh, show interest in them only because that person wants that person to be serving on a particular team. I pray that no one will ever feel that way at this church. And if you ever even get a whiff of it here, please call it out, because it will not do. It will not do. Using others for your own gain, self-reward, is not a mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Finally, portrait number four. Character portrait number four, here it is. Self-seeking. Self-seeking. He sees it in a fellow guest. I don't know um, if you've still got your Bibles open. Um, we're going to read verses 15 to 24. Verses 15 to 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. In 2021, a study 
in America found that 84% of Americans believed the highest goal of life was to enjoy yourself. In the same study, 86% believed that to enjoy yourself, you must pursue the things you most desire. That's America. But I wonder if the stats would be that different here. We've all seen it, haven't we? You know, the person who always wants to do what works best for them. The aloof friends never committing, waiting for a better offer to come in. It's a decision-making driven by the question, what is going to be good for me? For me. And that's precisely what Jesus is addressing in this story, isn't it? In verse 16, Jesus describes yet another banquet. They're kind of losing count of how many there are in this passage. The food is ready in this story, Jesus tells. The food is ready. The name places are set. The booze is in the fridge. The guests are invited. Now they need to come. But they don't, do they? As was custom, a reminder goes round to the invited guests. It's ready. It's ready. Come on. Come on. Come in. The banquet is ready. But the guests are only interested in what's good for themselves. They are self-seeking. Their excuses are pretty rubbish as well, aren't they? The person in verse 18 says he needs to go and watch a field. Or um, the one in verse 19 says he needs to go and try some ox. It is funny, and yet it's also tragic. Because Jesus, he's talking about his heavenly banquet. Do you remember what the fellow guest says in verse 15? Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us self-seeking, it's a problem. It's not good. It's not good if we're tempted to choose anything over God. It's a problem if we want to enter through the narrow door to God's heavenly banquet. Because thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Now, we've gone through each of these character portraits. But if I was to finish here now, this talk would be toxic. It'd be toxic. If you're listening online, please do not stop right now. Here's why. The more we realize how much we are like any of these four character portraits, the more we will realize and think that I need to try harder. We might be tempted to think, you know, I just need to try a bit harder not to be self-interested. I just need to try a bit harder not to be self-serving. I just need to try a bit harder not to be self-rewarding. I just need to try a bit harder not to be self-seeking. And here's the huge, huge danger. If we think we can solve this problem by ourselves, we are making the very same mistake again. We're looking to ourselves to fix the problem. It becomes a cycle driven by guilt for when I feel, feel um, like I'm self-seeking and pride for when I feel like I'm doing better at not being self-seeking, for example. And so the question is, how do we get out of this vicious cycle? And here's the beauty of this passage. It is stunning. We need to learn from the group who I haven't really spent much time talking about in this passage. We need to learn from the poor and the sick in this passage. The sick, like the man with dropsy, well, they don't try harder not to be sick. Of course not. They come to Jesus. 
the poor and the hungry. They don't try harder not to be hungry. Of course not. They accept the offer of the banquet and they come to the feast. In other words, in order for us to go through the narrow door, we need to look outside of ourselves for help. We need to look to Jesus. Why? Why? Well, spoiler alert for the rest of Luke's gospel, if we haven't read it. Only Jesus can go through the narrow door to the heavenly banquet. Only Jesus can. See, Jesus was never overly focused on himself. He was the perfect example of humility. From his Christmas birth in a wooden manger to his agonizing death on a wooden cross, only Jesus can fit through the narrow door, which means only Jesus can get us through the narrow door to the heavenly banquet. Today, we had our Remembrance Sunday service by the memorial. Photo come up here. This is what was going on earlier this morning. We remembered the sacrifice of so many in war who died so we could live. And as we heard this morning in this morning's service, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. He paid the price to get us through the narrow door. And the price was his life. At the cross, Jesus took all of the mess and God's anger for our self-interest, our self-serving, our self-rewarding, our self-seeking. And Jesus says, I'll deal with it. I will deal with it. Leave it with me. He says, give me these things. Leave them with me. I'll deal with it. You don't need to be trapped in your self-centeredness anymore, says Jesus. You don't need to be trapped in a vicious cycle of guilt and pride anymore. Jesus says, follow me and I will give you the life of the heavenly banquet, the feast in heaven. Jesus says, follow me and I will give you my spirit who will set you free into a life totally and utterly forgiven. Jesus says, follow me and you are loved unconditionally. Follow me and know that you are through that narrow door, whatever you have done or will do. Because I, Jesus, he says, I'm going to take you there. Jesus' invite, it hasn't got any strings attached. You can't do anything to merit it. It's a gift. And it's given out of love. Because he humbled himself in his life and death for you. And for me, he was humbled so we could be exalted. You see, the, the, the heart of the gospel is this. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. That's why thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. 